Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never, ever about food or weight. Never, ever. Not even. One time. Not ever, ever, ever. Hello, everyone. This is Loralee Rourke with It's Not About Food podcast. And today I have my good friend Cameron on, and we're going to talk about truth. And the body love card has the goddess sitting on top of a mountain, and she is sort of sitting cross-legged with her dear animal, who is also sort of cross-legged as well. And they're both just sitting on top, sort of looking out over the whole world. And in the back, it says, truth is our own internal wisdom that defines who we are. Finding our own truth means figuring out the difference between what we've been told we should be versus who we really are. Oftentimes in the past, our true feelings, passions, opinions, and experiences were ignored, rejected, or just not encouraged. When we can relearn to identify what our own truth is, we are able to put into action what our heart and soul desires. So once again, what we find out with these body love cards or with recovery or uncovery, as I like to say, is that we already have the truth within us, just like we have an innate wisdom of our bodies. We also have the truth within us if we'll just take the time to listen to it and go beyond what we're told and go to what we know, what we really know underneath it all. For me, that was very scary because I felt like I should not trust myself. I should trust bigger people around me because as when I was little, I had to do that. And as I grew up, I had to let go of the idea that other people knew what was right for me that I had to let go of the idea that somebody else was going to tell me what to do and come to what was my own truth, which I didn't really know for a long time. It was a lot of, is it this? Is it this? Is it this? And it might be a lot of different things. You know, there's not just one truth either. So I'm so glad to be talking to Cameron today. And one thing I want to say about her is that she helped Beyond Hunger, the nonprofit that Carol and I started 32 years ago, of really looking at the truth of the program. Did the program really work? We knew that it worked because people got better, but she really helped us sort of nut and bolts, kind of put that down on paper saying, yes, this program, this intuitive eating program, this learning to love and accept the body that you have program, this learning how to take care of yourself emotionally program really works, really works. 
it was such a wonderful gift that you gave us when you did that. So I'm going to let her talk about that and just whatever else she wants to talk about. So introducing Cameron, and she'll tell you about herself. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here to tell the other side of what you just said, because while you and Carol thought it was a gift, it was a bigger gift to me to be able to work with your archival data from Beyond Hunger. And I remember going to an event that you had, and it was my first introduction to Beyond Hunger. And I was in my undergrad program in psychology, and we were just starting to think about doing our senior thesis projects. And my ears perked up when you were, Carol, in the presentation, we're talking about this archival data that you had using the eating attitudes test. And I ran back to school <laughs> probably the <laughs> next day, went to my advisor and said, if they would let me, do you think I could use that data to do my senior project? And she said, absolutely. And so then I ran back to you guys. It was so great. <laughs> and I was just so excited. It was such a beginning of opening up really the rest of my life. And I don't know that I've ever said to you and Carol, I think I have a little bit, but how much, well, both meeting you two and meeting Beyond Hunger and being in graduate school at Dominican University. And I had started College of Marin at 40. <laughs> You know, I transferred to Dominican because uh, I was just going to go to college and get an AA degree and say, hey, I went to college. But I loved it so much. And my partner at the time really encouraged me. He said, you know, you can transfer and continue. And I'm like, okay, let's do this. Why not? Right. Yeah. So it was so eye-opening. And I remember registering for classes because I picked psychology, but the registrar said, are you minoring in women and gender studies? And I said, no, I'm not. I'm just so naive. <laughs> and I said, why do you think that? And she said, well, because you've taken so many classes, you could easily minor. If you just take a couple more, you can have a minor in women and gender studies. And I'm like, oh, great. Yeah, I get <laughs> out. So. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. And so better late to the feminist table than never. <laughs> Anyway, it was just so magnificent. And through you and Carol, it was the first time I'd heard of health at every size. And I looked that up and I joined ASDA and then went on to graduate school after Dominican because I found out that if you really want to work in psychology, in the helping professions, at whatever level, you do need to go to graduate school. So I ended up in a PhD program at CSPP. So I went from thinking I would get an AA degree at College of Marin to getting a PhD in clinical psychology after 14 years of school, which was such a wonderful journey. And the whole thing really helped me define my truth because the reason I picked this card is I had no idea what my truth was. Like you described, everybody else and our culture defined what my truth was for many, many, many years. I don't feel like I made a decision to really to get married. It sort of happened. And I married a very nice man 
My kids came because life unfolded, but I never felt like I was making conscious decisions. And I think there's a lot of ways that could have changed, but for me, it didn't really until I went to college. But I want to recognize that privilege is not open to everybody. So I think there are ways to more consciously wake up and create more choice in your life or just recognize if you're in that same place of not knowing what your truth is. There's many paths to that. I also remember when I had started school, I was talking to someone who said, oh gosh, you don't need to go to all those years of school. You can take a coaching course and you can coach (laughs) and you can help lots of people that way. Right. And for me at the time, that seemed so unacceptable because I didn't feel like I knew anything. So as it unfolded, I got lots and lots of education and training, which was wonderful. And then I came full circle and decided to switch to coaching after all of that (laughs) and work as a coach. And I specifically work as a coach around people's relationship with their body and food. That is so funny. It is funny. After I got all that and have 900 books, literally, (laughs) I've moved them twice. Yeah. It's sort of a testament, if you will, to your intuition that you already had this coaching within you, this intuitive thing that you could depend upon. But we live in a culture that we don't really trust ourselves. So therefore, we have to go all the way out to the ends of the earth and then come back to ourselves. (laughs) Right. And the journey was wonderful. Of course. And the journey is wonderful. And maybe you're a much better coach because of what happened. But the point is, is that that's what you had to do for yourself, not for your clients, but for you, because you're probably just as wonderful then as you are now. Right. But I could not see that at all. No, we don't trust. Not at all. And I'm turning 60 next month. And a lot of my friends are turning 60. And for some of them, it's terrifying. And the aging process is terrifying. This is, even with all the we're going through (laughs) in these times, this is still my best year of my life. Oh, that is so wonderful to hear. Yeah. And a lot of things are happening in my life. Some things I've chosen, some things not. And I still, I wouldn't give up a second of the wisdom that I've gotten and understanding my truth for a moment of going backwards. So it's been a long road to get to this place. I was in a long-term relationship after a long-term marriage. And the long-term relationship ended because how my truth around myself and my body was unfolding turned out to be unacceptable for my partner. So we ended up splitting up and it was painful and it was sad, but I don't have any choice over that, but I have choice over whether or not to stay in a relationship that's not serving me and really honor my truth. So this is actually the first time I have been alone, (laughs) just with me, 
and it's been a few years now, and it's wonderful. It opens up such freedom and time for myself, which I've never had since I was 18. I've been in long-term relationships. So I really feel that just as life has unfolded, I have started to learn my truth. And I wouldn't say I'm done because I think it changes. I had a professor in my undergrad program, and I remember really specifically her saying, you can have a belief system one minute and five minutes later it can change. Yes. And that's okay. Exactly. I remember I was just stunned because I was always looking for, well, what's the right thing to think? And what's going to keep me safe? (laughs) And I remember when I started taking classes with a social justice focus, I remember being so afraid of learning about white privilege and scared me to death, but it also was so freeing. So I'm very conflict avoidant. So (laughs) it seems like I wouldn't like studying that, but I loved it. And I think the freedom to get beyond the fear to understand that we all have biases. Yes. And that we can make a mistake and we can clean it up and understand that we are blinded by white privilege or silenced by white guilt is really freeing. Well, what you're saying, like we're afraid of our own truth because we know this stuff inside of us. We already know. Like you said, I didn't want to think something because it might not keep me safe. I'm paraphrasing Mm -hmm. what you said, but we're never really safe and we always are safe. (laughs) Right. It's both. It's a both and. It's okay to think, be, and feel. It's okay. But the society that we live in puts a lot of pressure on us to not think that or not feel that or not look like that or not be like that. And we have to go against that and think, well, if they stone me, then that's the way that it happens. I often feel like, well, I got burned at the stake one time. I guess it could happen again, you know, but I'm not going to not say what I need to say and be who I need to be or who I am. And that's the whole finding our own truth and figuring out what is the difference in my truth and something that's been put on me. And therein lies the whole human struggle to be who we are without worrying about whether we'll lose everything if we are. And what we lose might be what we need to lose. For sure. (laughs) Without a doubt. I feel like in a lot of ways we have to, Carol says a lot of the time, it's the warrior task to do it. But then on the other hand, we're not really warriors. We're just normal people, (laughs) Yeah, just working through our own egos or our own selves all the time. Storygram Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. Rich flavor is one of your favorites. You'll want to join me on the wine road. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed. Welcome to Swirl, the wine show for people who know. Storygram Network.
Anyway, so tell me a little bit about your coaching thing that you're doing. Well, having gone through all the graduate school education and the training, it was really helpful to do all the practicums and internships and everything because it really helps you figure out what you don't want to do. And that's in some ways just as helpful. But I got to the end and at the time, my partner and I were going to live in two different states. And so we always knew that I was going to be facing this decision. And so I thought I would have a private practice as a therapist for X number of years and then switch to coaching at some point. But at the time, it just seemed more practical to just do it then. And so I chose not to get licensed as a psychologist and switch to coaching. And then we ended up splitting up, but I rather than going back and getting licensed, I decided to stay as a coach because I really love what I do and I have more flexibility as a coach. And I work really mainly just with the population that I love, which is working with people who have some idea of either health at every size or intuitive eating or mindful eating. I find I do a pretty thorough intake with people because if they're really entrenched in diet mentality and they haven't opened up the possibility of setting that aside so that they can tune into their body and really learn intuitive and mindful eating, it's just not going to be a good fit until they're really ready to do that. Right. So I learned that trying to pull people (laughs) over the line doesn't work, doesn't work for them, doesn't work for me. So when people are ready for that, I feel like I'm more of a guide. I don't love the coaching the you know, the label, that's just what it's called. The label right. that is, that's just what it's called. But I feel like I'm more of a guide for people. And one of the main things is everybody comes to do the work with weight loss as a goal. It's just in the back of their mind because we're entrenched in that. And so helping them see when that's in play and name it, then go back to the business of tuning into their bodies and letting diet mentality go and seeing it really for what it is, which is a constriction of our freedom <laughs> to both with eating and how we view our body. And so being able to make a choice about how they want to live in their body and get connected to their body. So it's just been a wonderful process. Right. For me, it was sort of pulling the rug out from underneath my own feet when I gave up dieting, because that's what was safe. Even if I knew intuitively, physically, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, I knew it didn't work. I had showed myself that over and over and over again, that it did not work. And it didn't work for anyone, really. But when I had to give it up, I felt like I gave up my security blanket because I felt better when I was on a diet because I felt more in charge and I felt more like I have a plan and I'm not just out there willy-nilly wandering through the bagua, you know? Yeah. (laughs) But when I really gave that up and turned to myself as the thing to hold on to, it took me a while to feel safe with me because I had not really trusted myself. Like I didn't really have any trust in myself that much. And that's really a key point 
and I describe it to people. And then when I start to see it, I highlight it for them because that's the scary thing is people have to be willing to get to a place where they're going to fly blind and take a leap of faith that they can launch themselves into this and work on letting go of diet mentality and that they can create a safety net for themselves, but it's their going into their body. And it's a foreign place, right? Because our brain is so entrenched in should I, shouldn't I, good food, bad food. I'm good. I'm bad. I can trust myself if I'm dieting. I can't trust myself if I'm not dieting. So we have this huge neural network. And then I explain to them that what we're doing is building a new neural network. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Instinctive eating is like a new planet. You've never been there. You don't speak the language. You like it. It looks interesting. (laughs) You called me for a reason. Something's drawing you here, but it's super scary to go there. Helping them create space and trust in their, in themselves. Yeah. Well, and I remind people, and I'm sure you do too, well, you were once here. You were a baby and babies know how to eat. Babies are yeah. intuitive. They just go to sleep anywhere they are because they're sleepy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they're, right. They don't care whether it's not okay with society that they sleep in class. They're just going to go to sleep <laughs> and they're going to eat. If they're hungry, they're going to let you know if they don't get fed right away. And they're okay with that. And I'm not saying that we should all start screaming in the restaurant if we don't get our food right away. <laughs> but on the other hand, <laughs> We can at least feel how we feel when we're really hungry and we haven't been fed yet and trust ourselves to tell ourselves that we're hungry or we're full or we're sleepy or want to move around. I mean, we can trust that. We forget that. Yeah. And that is the truth of ourselves as these wonderful beings that we are, These this human body, this wonderful computer we have in our head and this intuitive way that we know this is too cold or this is too hot. We can, we can trust that, that we know the truth deep inside. We already know. We don't have to read a book in order to do it. It's there. So it says here on one of these things, in the past, our true feelings, passions, and opinions and experiences were ignored usually by ourselves, but rejected and just not encouraged. So to me, I see that probably my job is to encourage that person to go back to when we did know what we needed and wanted. Is like maybe that's the coach, is the encourage, you know, the guide to go back to what is already there. Right. You're not reinventing the wheel. Right. And being able to look at when we weren't encouraged, being able to name that, whether it was parents or friends or relationships, and and be able to name that and put it in perspective, and then take the scary path of stepping out on your own and having your own thoughts to guide you. Yeah. So taking that thought and going a little bit further with it. So 
What would you have wanted to learn as a young Cameron sitting on your bed, but you didn't know where you were going to end up, but what would you have liked to hear as you were like going, hmm, I don't know if any of this is going to really work out. Right. <laughs> or whatever it is. And you said like, you know, you don't feel like you made a lot of conscious decisions. Maybe you were just working on intuition a lot of the time, which is not bad either. But what would you have needed to hear, do you think? Or what would it have been helpful to hear? I think helping me learn that I had intuition and recognize I was so underdeveloped in my own thought process, again, so focused externally on other people and really underdeveloped. I remember even as an adult before in my late 20s, early 30s, if I went to a party and was in a group of people, my mind would sort of wander off. I have inattentive ADHD and I can wander off in any place. I remember <laughs> this image of if somebody took a can opener and opened the top of my head <laughs> and opened it up, I was afraid there'd be nothing in there. Wow. And that's, that's pretty heavy. It is heavy Yeah, to think about that. It was an image that I had more than once. It was really how I felt about myself, that I was just sort of empty inside there. And again, I think it was because I had such an external focus. So I think what that young Cameron needed was a way to connect with herself and start to develop herself. Somehow that got neglected. I had no idea it was missing, so I didn't feel neglected as a child, but I was. Yeah. Once you go through it and then you look back and go, sometimes we have these delayed reactions like, hey, wait a minute. (laughs) Who told me I was empty headed? (laughs) Who said that to me? How did I get that idea? (laughs) Yeah, really. It's sort of like looking backwards is always maybe easier than looking forward. But yeah, it sounds to me like you needed more encouragement to trust yourself. Yeah, that you actually had stuff in there. (laughs) Yeah. That's a very powerful image. I wonder if you've ever tried to work with that image a little bit more and like bring out the stuff that you you did have in there. Go, look, I did have all this. I forgot. You're giving me a really great idea. I've been doing a lot of assemblage art and... So I have some ideas percolating to do a piece on that. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. I'd love to see it. Yeah. So is there anything else that you feel like we haven't covered yet that you wanted to put out there in the world? I guess after reading the card, what I realized is today I'm defined by my choices instead of so many external ones. And it doesn't mean that the external pressure goes away. This is something that I work with clients a lot is helping them see that societal pressure, whether it's diet culture or it comes in many forms, but being able to make a conscious choice of what I'm going to participate in. Yes. And so I'm much more conscious of that. But again, it doesn't mean that I don't wake up some days and feel like I have nothing to wear and negative body thoughts will come in. But today I don't act on them the same 
way that I used to. I don't judge myself and berate myself for it. I recognize where it's coming from. Yeah, that's I often say that we don't get a lobotomy when we get recovery. (laughs) We just, we have all these thoughts. We just don't need to get on the train. We can like let it leave the station without us being on there. And um, and also to trust that there's going to still be external cues as well as internal. I mean, we're going through a novel virus. I mean, I have no idea how to fight that virus unless I'm told how to do that. You know, I'm, I have no information of myself about any of it. So you tell me to wear a mask, okay, I'll wear it. Tell me to stay six feet or eight feet apart, okay, okay, I will. Because I didn't have that internal knowledge before this happened. Yeah. And uh, I've taken it to heart for sure because I don't want to get sick. But it's not that what's out there is bad and whatever is inside is good. It's just, it's all information. And what is going to keep me well, the best, I guess. Right. And I can trust myself to be as smart about things as what I'm being told, too. I can trust myself to follow the truth. I can do that. Yeah. So would you mind reading the bottom today? I will. Today, I will practice listening to my own internal wisdom. When I start to become fearful, confused, insecure, self-critical, or find myself doing something I don't want to do, I will take a breath and ask myself, what is my truth? Isn't that everything? And little kids, I feel like, just already know how to do that, and they don't have to ask that question. They're just going to do the next thing. But I really love that we have this internal wisdom of everything about us. You know, we have information already there, handed down generational DNA, that we can trust ourselves to know what to do and when to do it. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Absolutely. Thank you for asking. Uh Uh-huh. And I will, quote unquote, see you later, Gator. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.